Did you hear the news? MetroPCS is now Metro by T-Mobile. Now you get new plans with unlimited high-speed data all month long. All on the T-Mobile network. Check out the new Metro by T-Mobile today and discover the smarter way to get unlimited. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. During congestion, the fraction of customers using greater than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. And Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video streams at 4DP. Coverage not available in some areas. See store for details and terms and conditions. Blog Talk Radio. Hello there and welcome to the Michael Calderon Show. We're so glad you could join us. With me is my co-host, Adriana. Adriana, how are you today? I'm great. Can you hear me this time around? I can. Uh, okay, had... great. You sound a little a little far. I don't know if that's uh, on just on my end. Okay, how about now? Does that sound better? No, it still sounds like uh, you're far away. Okay, so that's that's a good a good piece to know. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I can hear you. It's just a little. Okay, how about now? Is it's still it's still the same. It's still the same. Okay, so let me let me switch let me switch microphones. And see if it gets better. Is that any better? No. Okay, how about now? Okay, there, now. Now it's good. Okay. Looks like the the snowball may have uh, been giving us an issue for some reason. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, but we're back on. So that's a good thing. Okay, great. Here we that go. Is a good now thing. we're good. <laughs> and um and we'll have to get Muhammad back on um so uh we are going to work on that right now and uh you know in the meantime uh, Adriana we can we can certainly talk about you know what yeah, has transpired yeah i mean so Muhammad is calling in from an encrypted phone just so everybody knows that's why it's not as easy to get him on the line it's um it, it has to be through a special app that cannot be traced and uh and with this app we have to kind of put him on uh, on speakerphone so that we're Correct. able to pick him up on our end so that's why we've kind of been back and forth just so um, everyone can kind of be in tune with, with how this whole thing works. Because I know I also had somebody ask me, you know, how is this person calling in if he's supposed to be in secret? And, you know, I don't think everybody knows how that works. So it's right. definitely something that's way more complicated than, than meets the eye. Right, exactly, exactly. So um, so we are going to get him. I know we have – we also have uh, – Ken Pirano, um connecting with us, and we have uh, we have Christy that's also connecting with us. So um, you know, and and it's quite a story. Um, they have really been been fighting to um, you know to to really um, get help to bring him back. Frankly, yeah, to bring him back. Absolutely, absolutely. So. You know that that's been it, it's been a it's been a it's been a tough thing um, because course. you know he he is he is in hiding 
And, um, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, he's, he's with his family and, uh, unfortunately, you know, they, they have to get out of where they are essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're going to go right now to, to the audio of a video that was done by Christy, um, Christy Pirano, um, you know, asking for help with Muhammad's case. And there was a letter that was written and signed by members of 38 members of Congress. Um, And, you know, they have, they've all signed this letter asking the Department of Homeland Security, USCIS, you know, Citizenship and Immigration Services to find out what is going on. And um, that letter was sent in July and no one has responded to that letter, which Muhammad is really is a heroic Afghan interpreter who has been left behind by the United States and is in daily danger of being killed by the Taliban. My family and I have been fighting every day for 11 months to save the lives of Muhammad, his wife, and his four young daughters, because every day they're in danger of being murdered. I started to work with the U.S. military and American people because they were working for the security of the people. I wanted to help the Americans fight terrorists because terrorists were damaging my country. Mohammed worked for several branches of the U.S. military for 10 years, and he directly saved the lives of American soldiers. For example, one time he ran into an ambush vehicle under Taliban fire to save an American soldier trapped inside. Former Navy Lieutenant Carson DuPont personally worked with Mohammed in Afghanistan and said that Mohammed's work was absolutely critical for our mission's successes. Based on my interactions with Mohammed, I am confident that he is trustworthy and will make a positive contribution to our society. I sacrificed everything I had. I gave up my home, my family, my friend, my job. I sacrificed everything. But I don't care about that. I'm still proud on that because I did it for the people. I did it for humanity. Unfortunately, in his rush to escape from the Taliban, Muhammad left behind critical contact information for his former military supervisors. So he filed a refugee case on his own, only to be denied for discretionary security reasons. By that time, he had already been robbed of his life savings by Pakistani police. He planned to surrender to the Taliban, thinking that after they tortured and killed him, they would stop looking for his wife and children. But he feared his wife and children would end up in human trafficking. He has no way to save his family. Based on one refugee officer's opinion, an entire family has been sentenced to death. American people and I have spent a long time alongside them and I was working with them as a brother. I was their interpreter and translator during the fight when they were fighting against terrorism and against Taliban. Because of that, I become very famous in Taliban and I become most wanted for them and they wanted to kill my kids, my small kids, my daughters. There was no one to help me, to help my kids and to save us because of my job that I did with U.S. people. So I am still most wanted for them, and they still want to kill me. They still want to kill my kids. Kill my kids. 
Knowing that leaving Muhammad and his family behind was a death sentence, my family and I decided to sponsor Muhammad and his family for what is called humanitarian parole, but it was to no avail. Our lawyer asked the director of the Humanitarian Affairs Branch of USCIS, John Bird, to at least allow Muhammad's young daughters to come live with their aunt and uncle in the U.S., but he replied that even Muhammad's children are threats to national security. Thus, Mr. Bird is refusing to even save a toddler from the Taliban. Now, I need the help of my American brothers. Please help us save Mohammed and his family by sharing this video, especially with your representatives in Congress. Congress has the responsibility to hold USCIS accountable. Thank you for watching. And please email me at save.aisha at gmail.com for more information. Every day we talk to Mohammed and his family about our efforts to save them. And we often hear that we are their last hope. And again, that email is save.aisha, and that's A-Y-S-H-A, at gmail.com. Adriana, this is quite the story. This man put his life on the line, has served with our military and other government agencies over 10 years. And now he needs help. He needs help. And we're going to we're going to go right now to uh, to Christy Pirano. Christy, how are you this morning? I am good. good Thank you for having Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank and, you for uh, having me. Yes, absolutely. We're also going to welcome Ken Pirano, who's also on the line. Hi, Ken. Yes, hi. Thank you so much for joining us as well. I know That's each of you is each of you is, is uh, calling in from different parts of the country. So I appreciate that. I apologize for the technical difficulties that we seem to have earlier here in the studio um, with, with one of the uh, connections, but uh, I believe, I believe we've, we've restored that. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I think that we're doing okay now. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. Christy, um, why don't you lead us off? Um, you were, you're a student, you're a PhD candidate, uh, up in, uh, at Cornell in Ithaca, New York. And, um, um, you were volunteering for no one left behind, which is a nonprofit organization. Um, so let's, let's pick it up right there. Okay. So I first got connected with Muhammad on January 26, 2017, um, which was, now 21 months ago. Uh, so I learned about his case through trying to volunteer with No One Left Behind, and uh, No One Left Behind helps Afghan interpreters with the special immigrant visa program, which is a slightly different legal process than what Muhammad was trying to do with a refugee case. So based on that technicality, No One Left Behind wasn't able to assist him, um, but this was in the spirit of what they're trying to do of helping interpreters. So they have provided some assistance, but uh, my family and I took this on as a personal project um, because he was falling through the cracks. He didn't fit the profile of what any nonprofit was willing to take on, Um, but he was in a very desperate situation um, and that he had, because he was heavily targeted by the Taliban, he'd had to flee Afghanistan and go into hiding in Pakistan. 
Um, and he had lost contact with military supervisors, so he wasn't able to pursue this more traditional special immigrant visa. And it was really hard for him to even try to contact these people. Um, so I assisted him, and we were able to find uh, one supervisor. But unfortunately, once his case had already been denied, denied uh, for these discretionary reasons, it's really hard to get that reconsidered. So that's what we're up against, that he's been denied, um, and they don't even want to tell Congress why. Um, and they also don't want to reconsider that denial. And we believe his case is wrongfully denied. His you know, people who work with him in the U.S. military believe it's been wrongfully denied. Congress is concerned that it was um, should not have been denied, but USCIS is refusing to reconsider their denial and refusing to even tell Congress so far why they did deny the case. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just, you know, it seems so unjust. And and again, here he is trying to to help, and, and he has helped U.S. forces for some time. Um, Ken, was there anything you wanted to add to that? Before I connect Muhammad, we do have Muhammad on the line. Well, I think personally... Uh, the reason I got involved is Christy called me and said, Dad, I'm trying to help a man who has faithfully served our nation for nearly a decade in the military. And, and when I first started talking with Mohammed, his number one concern was the safety of his family, his wife and children. And as a father, I could really relate to that. And and consequently, it, it became not just a military hero that our country should save, but he became a, a very real person to me whose family should be saved. And that's why right. I got involved. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, we're going to – go ahead. Uh, the first time I texted – uh, with Muhammad, one of the things he said was, I want to save my daughters, and I don't know how. Um, right. And that that was one thing that just, like, showed like, he didn't even really care about his own safety, um, but his wife and daughters are uh, living illegally in a foreign country. Like, they have no future um, without Muhammad, and that was, you know, one of the things that really motivated us is it's not just him. It's, it's his wife and four little girls all... 10 or 10, ages 10 to 2 that we're trying to save. Right. Well, let's let's connect Muhammad. And, and uh, uh, Muhammad, uh, can you hear us? Yes, sir, I'm here. I can hear you. Okay, wonderful. We thank you so much, um, number one, for what you've done for our country and the other countries that have, have participated in the United Nations. Um, thank you so much uh, for that, and thank you to uh, give me the time to join you. Um, I'm happy about that, that I uh, was a part of that mission, uh, which was uh, for the security of the whole world, not only for Afghanistan and not only for U.S. Uh, it was for all humans. Um, so I am happy that uh, I was in that uh, mission and I was a part of that. Right. And, and and certainly you've been a huge part of that. 
and we appreciate that. Yes, of that. course, I was. Uh, I was. Um, I participated in different. Right, and for you, Muhammad, what would what would make this right for you? What what is the ultimate goal for you? It was um, uh, like um, uh, for me, as uh, I told before, that it was uh, a security program for securing the world, for securing the for securing the people, for the security of the country, and it was against the people. Uh, who want to damage the countries, who want to damage the houses of the people, who want to take uh, took the life of the people and were taking and are still doing that. It was against the wrong people, so it seems right to me. And it was right, and I'm still thinking that it was right. Uh, so that's why I make this uh, plan that I should be in this program and I should help. And at that time, the U.S. military... Uh, really needed the interpreter and translator um, that they should help. They come from very far away to our country to help the people. And I was there, so uh, proudly I started the work in them, and I was doing that. And how many languages do you speak? I can speak uh, clearly uh, five languages. I can speak, read, and write, and understand um, five languages, but the sixth one I know also, I can um, speak 50% of that and I can understand. About 80% I can understand on that language also. I can speak uh, uh, Pashto is my native language. Pashto is my native language that I can speak clearly in English, of course, uh, uh, Urdu and uh, Hindi I can speak also. Um, Farsi I can speak. Arabic I understand. Uh, if someone is speaking, I can understand clearly, and I can um, try to understand the other also, but not fluently like English, like Pashto, and like Urdu, like the other language that I told before. But five languages I can speak clearly. Okay, and and currently your your wife and children are with you, correct? Uh, of course, uh, the, my wife. I have a wife and uh, four daughters. They are with me. Uh, because uh, um, the problem was not only for me. Uh, when I see the warning in different attacks, and I become famous in that, and from the side of uh, the Taliban, they become strictly against me, and they announced me as a, their enemy. And the Taliban who were killed in my district by the U.S. Army and U.S. forces, uh, they said that I did it. I gave the information of that, and I am spying. In the other things, they were also uh, like stamping me and they were putting a lot of blames on me that time, converting the people to Christianity and all my family is Christians and we all are criminals. Uh, so they announced us that even our kids can be killed in this and they should be killed. So it was not that only I was in dangerous. They announced even my kid as a criminal, that they are criminal, they are fit for for the religion, they are fit for Islam, and they are fit for the people. And even that we were, they said that we were very fit for their society, so we should be killed. And uh, not only my family, they announced it uh, like uh, the other people, those who have any kind of relationship with us, any kind of set uh, standard as in relationship with us, they should be killed too. They give the warning to these people also. So I was obligated that where, uh, where I was going, I should take my family and my kids with myself. 
because it was uh, not safe for them also and still not safe for them. Uh, so it was a problem for them also. So the kids have to be with how to be with me. Right. So so essentially, you know, where you're in hiding, it's it's you're pretty much a prisoner because you really can't go out and and mingle amongst the people. Of course, I cannot. Um, uh, if I tell you clearly, um, this place and that place, uh, place are the same for me, the same dangers for me. But uh, here is just one difference uh, between this place and that place. Uh, the difference is this, that I was clearly targeted here. And I was known. My kids, my home, they were targeted clearly. Uh, and here, that I escaped and I leave the country and come here. Here I am the same criminal. Here are the same people that they uh, have good power here also. And clearly they can go to the, the the houses of the people and can target someone. But the difference is that I am not targeted here. I am the same criminal here. I can face the same problem here. So here I can face different problems, like uh, the problem with the police that I am an illegal person. Mohammed, are you still there? Oh, we, we lost you for a second, but it looks like we do have yeah, you back. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I'm here. I can hear you clearly. Okay, wonderful. So, and I am the same criminal as I told you before, and uh, I face several problems. Several problems I have faced here. But uh, uh, one point uh, which make me alive again and give me a new life, it was uh, uh, Perano's family that I can uh, uh, say that they started helping me and uh, they give me uh, all the life facility. They, have, they are helping my kids with their medicine, with their clothes, with their food, with me, with my wife. They are helping. But one thing which is not possible for them also that they cannot do it is security. And I still have this problem. Uh, and the main problem is this, if I get arrested by police or if I get arrested by uh, the military during the operation and they find about my background, so politically it will be very dangerous for me. Yes. Then I will be the same criminal that as I am here. Not the same, but more dangerous than that. So the people like me who spend 10 years uh, to work for the American people, for the U.S. military, for different organizations, foreign organizations, he is not allowed in this country, and he is directly prohibited in this country. So these people um, can make more bigger problems, even biggest problem for me here. But uh, as a prisoner, we have a small house um, that we are living in. The kids are living in, in this small house too. The kids are growing without school, without without education, without playing outside, going outside. So. Our far distance is going from one room to the other room. Yes. That's our distance. Or mm. from going from the room to the bathroom. So that's our far distance. We cannot go outside. So here is one question also that uh, who can help us uh, with groceries, with food, with this thing here. We have one friend that he is uh, working in a store. He is also an Afghan and a good person. His uh, uh, elder brother has also died here, but he is legal and came here from uh, a long time. He's living here, and at the beginning when uh, we escaped, we came here, we met that person. Uh, he helped us a lot about uh, 
um, house facilities and these things to find us the house. So that person, if we need something, then uh, that person is helping us. And um, that's wonderful. Uh, uh, that's wonderful yeah, that Pirano's family, that he's Pirano's available. Are sending the money to them. The Pirano's family is sending money to him, and then he's spending that money for us for the grocery, for a house, rent and rent, and for the electricity bills and these things, and even for the medicine and for these things. So right. How one helper here that he's supporting us, but he cannot do that forever. Right, of course not. Right, and, uh, and let, let, let me let, let me just ask you let me ask you a question, Mohammed. Um, okay. Your your goal from from the beginning has been to come into the United States with your family, correct? Yeah, I, 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 I'm coming to this. I will tell you, you are right. But uh, I, I when I faced the problem, they attack on a several times. They shoot my brother. They damage our house. They shoot my nephew also because of my nephew was also the interpreter. He was also translator. Uh, so he got targeted too because of his job and because of us. But I was the first person in my family that I started the work for um, the American troops. And then I took them also and they also got involved in that. That they started the job. So they shoot it also. And uh, we were uh, hardly targeted here. Uh, so uh, as we... We were trying to go anywhere but to leave the country. I went to the government of Afghanistan. I requested them to help us. I told them, they said they know. The district governor, our district governor, we reported to him and we told him that we have this problem. And please give us security and please do something for us. They told us that they cannot give the security for themselves. How can they give the security for us? Then I asked them that, what should I do now? They told me that I should go to the Americans. I should go to the U.S. people. They should help me. Because uh, they said that they cannot help. I, I have worked for the American people. I was their translator, their interpreter, and work with them. And because of that, I am targeted. Now I am announced that I converted the people to Christianity. I, I took a lot of people uh, and joined them with Americans, people with American troops, as workers, as interpreters. So I made this problem for myself. Uh, because of my job. So they said that I should go to the American people and tell them and request them to give me the security. Uh, I went there also, but these bases that I was working for, these military that I was working for, they have already left Afghanistan and they went from there. I told them that these people are not here anymore. So where should I go now? They said we do not have any option. We do not have any idea for you. You should make the plan for yourself and you should do that. So uh, it it become more difficult for us. And I come here for this country, and I was asking here what to do. Then I have connected it, and I took my complaint to the uh, to the UNICEF, United Nations Office for Refugees. I told them, and they started to help me, but they also told me that I should make myself secure by myself. They cannot give me any security, but they will try to, to, to forward me to the other country, to somewhere else where it is safe. So after a lot of interviews, they took a lot of interviews from me, five or six interviews. Then they, uh, at the beginning, they gave me one organization. The name of that organization was um, SHARP. That was also an international organization. They searched about me that am I right or wrong. So they found me clear that, yes, I have the problem with Taliban and the, uh, with the Al-Qaeda and with these peoples. And with tourists, I have the problem and they are trying to kill me and they are tried also. So they got this information, found this information. 
After that, they checked all my background and my documents. They found everything clear. And then they told you, sir, that uh, what I say, I am right. So then they called me and they interviewed with me several times. Um, so they passed me too. They uh, took about uh, more than two years they took. And they get uh, and collect the information about me and they check my background. Then they passed me to the IOM office, International Organization for Migration. They passed me there. IOM also did the same thing. They got the information about me and checked my background and they declared everything. Then they asked me that what they can do for me. I told them that they should give uh, my case to the United States people, to the American people, because I have worked for them um, for a long time, so they know me very well, and they will must help me. But they were giving the cases to the other um, countries also, but I requested them that no. Don't give my case to the other people because I did not work for the others. I have worked for the American people, so give my case to them. So they will help me and give me the security. They gave my case to the U.S. Embassy. Then the U.S. Embassy also called me and had uh, the interview with me. And after the interview, uh, after a short time, after two months, they gave me the notification that I should appeal again and I am denied by them. And I asked them a lot of questions. That's why you people denied me. What's my fault? They said it is discretionary reasons. They did not have any reason. They did not show any reason for me. Right. They 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 denied. Right. They denied your application due to discretionary discretionary reasons. Discretionary reason. They denied my case. They denied my case also. Then I appeal and they denied the appeal also. And then I have uh, I did not have the money. I did I could not pay the rent of my house. Even I could not provide the food for my kids. I complained several times to the UNICEF that I have these problems. So please help me at least with this problem. They say no, they cannot do anything because my case is forwarded to US, so they are not responsible anymore. If any responsibility the US Army can take or embassy can take, they should take. But UNICEF cannot take this responsibility anymore because they say we have cleared you, we have checked you, we have interviewed you, we passed you. And by your idea, by your suggestion, we give your case to the uh, United States, but they did not accept you. You have spent 10 years for them, but they are not accepting you. So they said this is not our fault. They should help help you. They refused the help too. I was trying a lot to, 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 to request everyone to find someone to help me. I really needed the help. My kids need the help. My wife, my kids, they were getting sick a lot. The landlord who uh, gave me the house on rent, he was always trying to, to, to take me out from his house. Several times he put the equipment and stuff from my house out and told me to, to leave his house and to go because I did not pay the rent for a long time for him. Then I have met Christy Pirano that uh, I told all the things to her and then after that she started helping me right. uh, for paying the rent. And then I meet her dad that I suppose him as my dad also now. And also I meet uh, the mom that I suppose her as my mom too. And of course they are. They are helping me the same like a, a dad and a mom and and brother. And sure. Brother. They are helping me. No, absolutely. So they are doing that now. So yes. still they are helping. They are also in the problem with me. I am in a problem. They are also in a problem with me. Yes. So all my problem and all my burden, then they put on their shoulder and they are doing that for me. But they, I can still say that they cannot provide the security for me. They are working very hard, very strong. They are running a lot for me day and night. They are not refusing anything for me. But one thing that security is not in their hands and they cannot provide the security for us. And we are still in a critical situation from the side of the security. 
we are still in a big problem. Right. We still have that problem, which is not solving without this to leave this country and to go to a safe place. So we are still in problem. Right. And, and let me ask you, do you feel betrayed by the United States? Um, uh, can you repeat this question again, sir? Do, do you feel betrayed by the United States? Um, like, you know, they, uh, you know, you helped the U.S. for a long time and, and now they're not helping you. It's, it's, it's a breach of trust. You know, it's a betrayal. Uh, yes, I was completely broken. I was completely broken in that because um, I requested everyone and I was running a lot over here. The people that uh, on whom I was trusting very heavy, on whom I was trusting more than myself. And when I found them by UNICEF, I got very happy. And even I told my kids that now the problem will be solved. I found the people. So the problem will be solved. But when they denied me, I was totally broken down, told you. Um, I have lost all the hopes. And finally, yes. I made the decision and I told my kids that I should be surrender. I should give myself to Taliban or maybe to Pakistan's government or to these people or to military and told them everything clearly. That what I did, I did wrong. So please, what you, are, you want to do, you should do that with me. But release my kids and leave my kids to go back. So what you are, you have, you have with me. I'm your criminal. Uh, I am wrong for you. I am here. What you right. want, you should do that with me. But leave my kids to uh, to go. So I was going. Uh, the, I was doing that sacrifice for uh, once again. As I go the sacrifice in my country, I have lost my job. I have lost my family. I have lost my my work, my money, everything. I had that. I I had. I lost. So only I had the life and kids. So I was trying to to sacrifice my life too, but to save my kids. Of so, course. Uh, yes. After after that, very shortly, I have met Christy. That she gave me a new hope. She's also uh, a U.S. girl. Um, Kane Pirano is also an, an U.S. person. He's U.S. citizen, and um, his son and his family and mom, everyone. They are also U.S. They give me a new hope, and they told me, "No, I should not do this. Is the wrong thing that I'm doing." So I I am not alone. And they said that they will help me, and they can. So they started to help me, and then I rejected that plan, and I, I, I find a new hope. And I still hope, I still have this only hope that I have. The only hope that I have, it is that family and the U.S. people, civilian people. Yeah. Uh, if civilian, the government did not do anything for me. They did not help with me. I did whatever I could do. I, I, I have done that. I did that for 10 years. But the government of U.S. did not do anything for me. Even they, they break me and they slap me. Yeah. They, they, they took me out from everything. It was a kind of bit slap from their side that they reject me. Have but, you have you thought about trying to seek asylum in another country? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm talking about that. But I, I did not, uh, I did not uh, uh, try in the other country because, as I told you before. I did only that uh, by UNICEF to the U.S. I requested to U.S. and they took my case. They studied my case and after that they did not accept me. So then I requested a lot to the uh, to to UNICEF uh, to help me, but they said no, they cannot help me because I am rejected by the people on whom I trust a lot. I am rejected by the people for who I work it and for who I got the blame. So they said that if they are not helping me. 
then why we should help? Right. So yeah, that's what I, I think theoretically the UN could forward his case to another country, but in Canada, for example, tends to be better about accepting refugee cases, but there's a possibility Canada could say, well, the U.S. has already denied this case. We're not interested. And the other problem is the U.N. hasn't even tried. I mean, this, the U.S. completely rejected his refugee case 20 months ago, and the U.N. has taken absolutely no action to forward it to another country. So if we had another country offer him asylum, of course he would go there, but we right. don't have a mechanism to even get it yeah. under consideration by another country. Right. Um, yeah. Hold on, Mohammed, because I, I don't. Um, Christy was talking, but I don't think that you can hear her the way we have the connection no, no, going can, right I now. I cannot hear her. Yeah. I cannot. Uh, without you, I cannot hear anyone. I can hear only you. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Christy was explaining that um, we haven't had an opportunity, um, you know, to to have another country involved. Uh, the information hasn't been forwarded via the UN. So that's that's obviously something you know we can talk about offline but um um Mohammed I want to thank you so much you know not just for coming on the show but for everything that you've done and everything that you've continued to to go through um I want you to know that that me and my team we're committed to help as well and and we're going to do anything we can do to help you. Thank you so much, sir. As I told you before, <clears throat> thank you so much. Thank you so much. As I told you before, that my only hope is you people, not the government. Yes. As I told you that already, they, they have already kicked me out. So you are my only hope. Right. And I am still happy about this that I can find the people like you, and I have found the people like you. I am still lucky. I am still proud. And this make me proud on my job again and again. That I still have the people like you in US, like your team that they want. They did not meet me even. They did not know about me clearly, but they are still helping me. So I understand that what <clears throat> I did, I did not do that wrong. I did the right thing for the right people. Correct. So I can tell it to my kids and I can tell it to my family that what I did was not wrong. And I did the right thing for the right people. So <clears throat> I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And you are only my hope. I'm only waiting for your help now. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you, you did do the right thing, Mohammed. And, you know, um, um, that that's something that you can be proud of. And, and you, can, you can sleep well at night knowing that at the end of the day, you've done the right thing. And thank you so much. And you know, God is not going to leave you out there stranded. So of course, of course, I agree with you. Of course, you know, help help is on the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm waiting. I will look forward. Yeah. I will look forward. And I know that Christy and Ken um, have have done amazing with their efforts. I do want to mention there is a GoFundMe page for people who want to contribute. And that's uh, GoFundMe.com forward slash save hyphen the hyphen Cameron hyphen family. Save the Cameron family. That's a GoFundMe page that has been started. Um, so, you know, any any of the listeners. When did it start, sir? 
this page started for me. When did it start? It? <laughs> uh, I, and we started it, I think, three months ago. It started um, about three months have... ago. Okay, that's good. That's good. I did not know about this, I think. I just uh, knew now, right now. That's right. very good. It's nice. Yes. So, I hope, I, I, I'm sure, I trust on you people. I trust on you. As I trust on myself, I trust on you too. And yes. you people, you know, uh, if I tell you clear, you made me alive again. I have lost every hope. I was totally finished. I was totally broken. And believe me, um, the people like you, it, 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 it gives me a big energy. It makes me strong. Well, good. You know, you, you, you are a testament of someone who, you know, has faith and who has remained determined and you have endurance. I mean, you and your family have been through a lot. You're essentially living as prisoners in hiding because, uh, right now, you know, you can't go anywhere. Is, my life is, uh, my life is uh, more than worse than a prisoner. A prisoner may have a big place than me for living. Yeah. Uh, but one thing, if I tell you, sir, that this world and this life in this humanity and human need the sacrifice. And I did that. And if it uh, need again, I will do it again. Yes. So someone how to give the sacrifice about these things. If we are escaping from this, from each other, we are escaping from each, you know, from the sacrifice, then who will do that for this world? Right. And who will do for the life of the people who need? Right. So... It was my turn, I did. When right. it was my turn, I did it faithfully, clearly, and strongly. I did everything. I did not care about my life, about my home, about my family. I did everything. Right. Now, and sir, I think it is the turn of Jewish people that they should do something now. Yes. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Christy and Ken to give us an update on the legislative efforts that they've, you know, that they've been working on and, and the letter. So I'm going to put you on hold, Muhammad, so that we can get an update from Christy and Ken on that. Okay, I, I will wait. I'm on, I will get the line. I will wait. Perfect. Thank you. So, so Christy and Ken, um, let's talk about you know the legislative efforts that have been done. I mentioned briefly earlier, um, and, and I don't recall now if it was during the technical problem. So. Um, about the the letter that was signed by by members of Congress that has gone unanswered by the Secretary of Homeland Security. So let's yeah, talk about so, that. Okay, yeah. So we had and so we had tried to sponsor Mohammed for this humanitarian parole case, uh, which is a and that was filed about a year ago. So that or more than a year ago. That's a a weak and temporary protected status if they had granted it. And it would have just allowed, it would have just overlooked the refugee denial and said, well, we'll let him come here um, for a year with, you know, my family assuming full responsibility for him both like fiscally and uh, legally. Um, And then he could then apply for asylum through a normal asylum process. But USCIS, after two days of consideration, denied that case. And we got, at the time we had a Senate office assisting us, and USCIS responded with a form letter when asked why they denied it, saying they carefully reviewed it in accordance with all their laws and policies. 
but they weren't going to, but they didn't see fit to approve the case. And then our attorney pushed back on that and said, well, you know, Muhammad actually has a sister who's in the States and was willing to take his daughters. So she said, no, you don't get to just deny Muhammad and all his attendants treating it as one case because for the humanitarian case, each person has an individual case. Um, and she asked them, what was the reason you denied the case? And they said, oh, well, we'll have to actually go look at it if, to answer that question. So they took three weeks doing an internal review, and this was the director of the humanitarian affairs branch at USCIS. Um, and originally he kind of liked the idea of saving the kids, but then after three weeks he wrote back and said, uh, well, actually, our, after consultation with my colleagues, reached out to the refugee experts, the information relating to the denial of the refugee application concerns the principal, his wife, and the daughters. Uh, so on that basis, he refused to allow the daughters to come even for one year. So this is making the legal claim that giving a one-year visa to what was then a two-year-old child was a security concern for the United States. Um, and based on, and we tried from, this was in October, this is in November that we got this email, and we tried from November to about February to like call local staffers for and you know talk to local staffers, and we thought that they would then forward the information to Washington, which would then take action. But it turns out that local staffers kind of do routine inquiries, which is helpful if the case is just not progressing. But once it's been right. denied, it's more than routine work, and. Anyway, we weren't getting a lot of luck with getting local staffers to forward it to Washington, so we decided we'd go to Washington ourselves, uh, which we did in April and then again in June. And over the course of our two visits, we met with 44 congressional offices, 19 House and 25 Senate, um, and we presented them Mohammed's timeline of working for 10 years for the U.S., being denied for these discretionary reasons, our attempt to sponsor him and USCIS's response that even though the military trusts him, not only is he a security concern, but even his two-year-old daughter is a security concern. And that got a lot of raised eyebrows on Capitol Hill. And we had a lot of senior advisors for members of Congress agree that they are not implementing the law the way Congress intended it. And this, you know, looks suspicious. So, you know, we um, ultimately, Congressman Jeff Denham, um, who's a Republican from California 10, and then Congressman Jamie Raskin, Democrat representing the uh, Maryland 8th District, stepped up to lead a sign-on letter. Um, and we approached, you know, all the members of Congress that we'd met with their advisors as well as um, several we hadn't met with and said, look, this is a problem. We have this military interpreter that's been denied. He's in critical danger. USCIS thinks his young children are a security concern. Congress should know why this case was denied. Um, right. And ultimately, we got 38 members of Congress. It was 10 Republicans, 28 Democrats that signed this letter. Right, so a bipartisan group. Yeah. Yeah. And several of them were on the Armed Services Committee. Some were on Homeland Security Committee. Um, there's the chair of the Human Rights Committee. So we got a lot of members of Congress that are you know, leaders on these kinds of issues to sign this letter, but that was sent in July with a request to respond in 15 days, and USCIS has still not responded to Congress to tell them why they denied a case. 
which took them three weeks to do an internal review, and now after nearly three months, they still haven't produced an answer for Congress. So at this point, to me, it's pretty clear that USCIS is not acting in good faith. I mean, we still don't know why they denied the case, but it really seems like they are obstructing Congress from reviewing that reason, whatever reason they have. Yeah, and I don't understand how a letter signed by 38 members of Congress to the Secretary of Homeland Security can go unanswered. I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, is the U.S. government shut down or, you know, are they on a lunch break? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know if they're waiting to see if Congress is going to actually hold hearings or subpoena documents or if they just think they can take six months even if Congress asks for two weeks. Uh, you know, we don't really know what's going on. Um, but they're may, they missed their deadline by a factor of more than five at this point with no good explanation for why it's taking so long. Yeah, that, that's that's really absurd. It's, it's, we, we, we definitely have to continue to get the word out on this case. We have to get more members of Congress involved and, you know, get the White House to opine on this because this is really, this has really gone on for too long without any answers. Yeah, what, what more can, can be done to escalate this? I mean, I feel like kind of, we, you know, you, you've taken it to the full extent that it could be taken. Is there another step above that, that, um, would be beneficial to to him? I mean, what, what more can be done? So Congress can, uh, so I mean, they are supposed to respond to the letter, but if Congress doesn't get a satisfactory response, they can hold a hearing. I mean, we have this guy, John Byrd, at the Director of Humanitarian Affairs, who has reviewed this case. And at least one congressional office also personally contacted him, which he's also not responded to. Um, but Congress can hold a hearing and they can subpoena people at DHS and say, okay, who can tell us why this case is denied? Who can tell us why you don't answer our letters anymore? Um, they could, I believe they could also subpoena the case file. And right now Congress is not in session. So this would be something, this would be something they could work on after they're back in session in November. But I mean, I hope when Congress gets back after the elections, they make it clear to USCIS, either you give a satisfactory answer to this letter now, or we start holding hearings and subpoenaing people. Uh, we did also, there's the Senate, there are things that Senate offices can do behind the scenes. Um, the Senate could also do their own sign-on letter. It shouldn't take the Senate also to get this information. Um, but so far, we've had like some Senate offices interested in working behind the scenes, um, but there would be more that could be done by the Senate. Um, but ultimately, uh, Congress is going to have to say, no, this isn't acceptable and escalate this until they get this information. Um, and mm -hmm. I, if, if someone was able to get in touch with like, Vice President Pence, it said that he supports Afghan interpreters coming here. So if this was brought to his attention and he said, I don't like this, I want this guy here, I mean, they could give Mohammed a visa in two days if you know, the president or the vice president wanted it. Um, but short of, like, getting, you know, President Trump or Vice President Pence to say, I want Mohammed here, if we're working through Congress, 
um, then I think Congress is going to have to make good on this and have a hearing if they don't get the information that they've requested. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, so we'll have to been, keep like, any inclination at all, not even a smidge of what could possibly be holding them back. I mean, I understand that he was denied, but I, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around how them basically placing a stamp on some paperwork that somebody uh, filed, uh, misfiled, I feel like, because I don't think he, from what I've been taking in, he hasn't really filed it the right way that would have been most beneficial to him. But is that really going to deem him, you know, to the end as being someone that's been denied just because of this one filing process? I mean, it's just so hard to wrap my head around the fact that they would be so harsh on, you know, one decision that somebody made, who knows, in what office, at what time in their life, and now he's, you know, paying the price for that. Yeah, well, I... Can I address that? Um, Sure, sure. Sure, go ahead, Ken. Yeah, um, so a question, a legitimate question that comes up as, as soon as you start talking to officials is, could USCIS have some legitimate damaging information concerning Mohammed? Mm-hmm. And I think Mr. Bird, in his letter to our attorney, really answered that question for us. Because if, if you think carefully about Mr. Bird's statement, it, it says not just one thing, but two. I mean, to paraphrase, his statement said, the security concerns concerning Mohammed apply to the entire family. Now, th- there's really two statements wrapped up, wrapped up in that. On the one hand, you're saying you don't have anything real on Mohammed because you're admitting you have no more on Mohammed than you have on a two-year-old. So that, that statement is also telling you, not only is it absurd on the face of it that you're calling a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old toddler a security threat, but it also tells you you have no better information on the father than you do the two-year-old. And, and to me, that's an admission. They don't have a legitimate reason. And it points back to this earlier you know, concern that um, it probably was just an arbitrary decision. And, and we have mm-hmm. many, many examples of arbitrary decisions that were made to deny refugee cases. They're, they're a dime a dozen. So we started out with one bad arbitrary decision, and we're continuing, and USAS is just continuing to double down on that. And that that's my opinion. But I, I think yeah. Mr. Mr. Bird's statement that, to paraphrase, to, to, re, to reword his statement, we have no more on the father than we do on a two-year-old, tells mm-hmm. me they don't have legitimate reasons for keeping this family out. And, and they, you know, I... Oh, I was going to say these discretionary, these discretionary reasons really can be anything for 
a while, the leading cause was that the U.S. government spelled the interpreter's name differently on different documents. And they said, oh, well, clearly you're a security concern because you might be using a fake identity since we you know, spelled Muhammad with an O over here and with a U over here. And so it, it can be that. It can be a relative they've never met. It can even be a third or fourth degree connection to a terrorist organization, which is not a test that even I could pass. Like, okay, we're going to see, you know, if you're a friend of a friend of a friend is, a, a, you know, on the wrong side of the law. I mean, that's not something that even the vast majority of Americans would pass. So, so it really can be anything. But what USCIS loves about this legal mechanism for keeping people out is you get to declare someone a security concern and not ever tell anyone why. So it's a combination of a really low standard of evidence and no accountability. Um, and we don't know. I mean, we've gotten some indication with Muhammad's case that, uh, well, Muhammad was, was had some indication that it could have been a relative he's never met, but we can't prove that. It is consistent with USCIS's behavior. Uh, but once someone is stamped a security concern, I mean, this case demonstrates how hard it is to get that reconsidered because you can find mm -hmm. People from the U.S. military saying, "I trusted, I trusted this guy with my life," and you can have 38 members of Congress say we're concerned about this, and DHS still doesn't want to answer the question. So yes, it is a system where once someone has been denied, it's nearly impossible to even figure out why, much less get the decision reconsidered. That's incredible. I mean, there's just no word for for what what a harsh punishment on something that could have been you know, easily uh, done incorrectly, which I feel like in his case is, and, and, and it's such a grave matter at hand. You know, we're not talking about somebody getting denied an application of a job. This is people's lives, fam a whole family. So um, that I think it has a lot to say about how much further we need to go with, you know, the system that we have in place. I mean, it definitely needs to have some changes. Right. Now, did they indicate, uh, in terms of USCIS, did they indicate anything in terms of there was someone with the same name that was flagged in their system? Uh, we don't have reason to believe that's the issue. I mean, that can happen. There are times that it's just an administrative error that causes this. I mean, we the only thing we know is that he was initially denied two years ago and USCIS has refused to revisit that. I mean, given that they, they did do an internal review and in, after the humanitarian parole case and claimed that they had, you know, this information relating to the denial of the refugee application. So it, that's probably something other than like, Oh, we misspelled his name, but I mean, we don't know what that information is. Um, but, I mean, there are cases that are denied for an administrative error, and even that could be sure. hard to get it reconsidered. And we don't have an indication, like, what happened with him. But I don't think they can't figure out who he is. Like, they've, USCIS has never questioned that he worked for the U.S. military. So I don't think the problem is that they can't figure out who he is. I think the problem is they don't really care that he was a military right. interpreter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, and, I would think yeah. – I would think that in order to have served as an interpreter, he would have had to have, you know, a clearance level to work with yeah, the military. They do. So they would have done a background. 
Right, they do. But the thing is, USCIS is not constrained to not dig up things later, even older things. So, like, if there was an example where someone had been accused of a crime or there was evidence that they had gotten involved with a terrorist group after they started working for the U.S., those cases are very rare, but that that could happen. Um, but what happens more often is that like, they go to the military and they say, well, you know, I have this cousin who's a terrorist, but I really support you. And the U.S. military needs interpreters, so they hire the person, recognizing that they don't have a relationship with this cousin um, and they completely disagree with their cousin's ideology. But then years later, USCIS can come along and go, oh, we can't trust you. You have a, this you know, bad news relative. And, you know, and right now, USCIS is now denying or delaying 99% of Iraqi refugees, whether they're affiliated with the U.S. military or whether they're Christians. And, I mean, that shows you that we're fishing for derogatory information. So we're taking people that when we needed them, we said, yeah, sure, we get it. You don't agree of with your, your relative. Uh, and my mom has a cousin who traveled to Afghanistan as a civilian and wrote a book about it and she her experience there. And she said there's probably very few people in Afghanistan that don't have a cousin or uncle in the Taliban. Um, and the mm-hmm. problem is, you know, USCIS can just go through and automatically blacklist everyone that has any blood relative um, who's in a terrorist organization. And so the military can look at this and say, okay, we get it. Your uncle's a bad guy, but you want to help us. That's fine. And then USCIS can later say, oh, we can't trust you. Your uncle's a terrorist. And it's, I mean, it is victim punishing. I mean, we don't punish a woman for being raped by her relative you know, right. in the U.S. Uh, but and that's yeah. the same logic behind this. You're punishing the victim, but it's basically the logic. Well, your family member is bad news, so therefore you must be bad news. And in some cases, if you had no information except that this person has an uncle in the Taliban, then maybe they should be denied. Like someone applies for a student visa and he's got an uncle in the Taliban, you have no way of proving whether or not he agrees with his uncle's ideology. Then maybe you should deny him. But this is totally different because. This is someone who risked his life for 10 years to serve the U.S. military, and it's not appropriate to go fishing for derogatory information that the military took into account and decided wasn't a problem. And, again, this is not necessarily what happened in this case, but it is happening in a lot of cases where they're just finding some family connection or, and then denying the case because of that, whether or not this person has even ever met the relative in question. Right. Do we have um... – we we do need to wrap up. Do we have any any last minute comments? And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna connect Muhammad to see if there's anything that he would like to say. Muhammad, are you there? We may have lost Muhammad. Okay. Um, yeah. We, we well, may have I lost him would... in his connection, but go ahead. Yeah, well, I would say that we really there have been a lot of grassroots supporters that have helped us all along, even just starting off with meeting with members of Congress. So that's been a really key part of this case is all the people that have stepped up to help with the case, and a lot of people that have been praying for Muhammad. And there's been a lot of times that there's been a close call, and he. Um, did, I mean, times that he should have been killed and he wasn't, both before and after we met him. And, you know, I think that's, you know, evidence of God's protection 
on him. So, I mean, we really appreciate the people that have stepped up to contact our members of Congress, to pray for the family, uh, you know, to pray for us. Um, and, you know, that's a key part of this. Right. And, and we do have Mohammed. Mohammed just reconnected. Um, Mohammed, I want to just uh, thank you on behalf of everyone. Thank you for, again, everything you've done. And thank you for joining us on the Michael Calderon Show. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, sir. You're welcome. And um, uh, I am so glad about this that you give me the time and uh, your group and uh, talk to me and ask about my problems and this thing. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you and I appreciate all your team. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless you. And hopefully the next time we have you on the show, we'll be reporting that uh, that you're either on your way to the United States or you're already here. I hope so, too. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It can be happened by your help. Yeah. I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you. We do have a caller. Let's uh, let's take let's take a call. See if they have a specific question. Hello, okay. caller. You're on the air. Hello. Yes. Hi. Oh wow. Hi. This is Jessica Clay. How are you, Jessica? Thank you for calling in. You're welcome. I'm well. Did, How are you? Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. Did you have a specific question or comment? Um, no, not really. I, I didn't expect to be connected in, but I appreciate it. And I just wanted to, um, I guess really I do have a question and that is just if everyone could continue to pray without ceasing for, um, God's favor on this case, please. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And, and we, we will we will we will continue to pray absolutely. Yes, thank you. Go ahead, Jessica. You you, you were saying something. Well, it, it's really been an honor to to learn about this case and do anything that I can to help. Um, and um, I'm just noticing how much I've I've learned. I've learned what it means to what be an American and get involved in do the right thing because that's what we're about. Absolutely. And I, Absolutely. And I've, I've not done this type of uh, volunteer work before, but when I heard about what the Piranos were doing and I investigated the case, I realized that it was going to take a group effort. Yes, it, it does take a group effort. And, you know, um, as Americans, we're going to take care of our allies as well. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. Very kind of you. You're welcome to stay on the line and hear the end of the show. Okay, thank you. Um, So there you have it, folks. Um, Again, I I do want to thank Mohammed for being with us from Pakistan. And um, Christy, I want to thank you um, for connecting with us from Ithaca. And Ken from California. And Adriana, who's now also in California, my co-host, <laughs> who is now in Los Angeles. Maybe I need to go out to the West Coast for a future yeah, show. Yeah, you do. It's a sign. You know. Yes, it is a sign. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. It definitely I is. Mean, yeah. It definitely is. Yes, yeah. indeed, indeed. Um, 
So again, um, Ken, Christy, Muhammad, I want to thank you all for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, um, if you have, if you have a question or a comment and you'd like to reach Christy, you can send her an email at save.aisha, that's A-Y-S-H-A, at gmail.com. If you want to donate to the GoFundMe page, it's gofundme.com forward slash save the Cameron family. And that has hyphens in between each of the words. Uh, I'm sure you can Google it as well. Or if you send an email to Christy, she can also send you the information. Because I know Christy has nothing else to do while she's working on her doctorate. (laughs) And um, again, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Hopefully the next time we have you on the show, we're going to have an update and a resolution to this. Like, you know, let's, let's, let's resolve this. That would yeah, be I hope so. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I think Mohammed wanted to say something. Go ahead, Mohammed. Um, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate everyone, and I appreciate my American brothers and sisters who are helping me still in Hoville. And I know everyone uh, in U.S. is positive about me, uh, as they were positive about me in the mission when I was the part of their mission in U.S. and I was living with them in one room and one place uh, and one base day and night for a long 10 years. So I appreciate all of you. I appreciate everyone, my American brothers and sisters and my friends uh, and you and your team also and uh, mostly the Karanos family. I appreciate and thank you so much for your this program, for your positive ideas and for your positive questions. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Um, so there you have it, words from Muhammad, and we really appreciate him once again. Um, that wraps up another Michael Calderon Show episode. So we thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to listen to a previous show, you can go to the show page and, and certainly uh, click on a previous show and listen. Um, so, again, I want to thank you all uh, for joining us. You know, I'm feeling pretty patriotic today. Um, a little more so than than normal, and and I want to thank Muhammad for that because this story really, you know, has done something for me. So in closing, I'm going to play uh, the national anthem uh, done by Janine Stang, uh, who is a dear friend. Janine Stang, who's also known as the national anthem girl, she sings the national anthem all over the country and has sang the national anthem in all 50 states. Um, Look her up. Follow her on social media as well. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. God bless you all. And um, we'll be back for our next show. Just keep watching the show page and following us on social media.
Did you hear the news? Metro PCS is now Metro by T-Mobile. Now you get new plans with unlimited high-speed data all month long. All on the T-Mobile network. Check out the new Metro by T-Mobile today and discover the smarter way to get unlimited. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. During congestion, the fraction of customers using greater than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. And Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video streams at 4DP. Coverage not available in some areas. See store for details and terms and conditions. Did you hear the news? Metro PCS is now Metro by T-Mobile. Now you get new plans with unlimited high-speed data all month long. All on the T-Mobile network. Check out the new Metro by T-Mobile today and discover the smarter way to get unlimited. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. During congestion, the fraction of customers using greater than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. And Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video streams at 4DP. Coverage not available in some areas. See store for details and terms and conditions.